Oh my goodness! Look at you in our living room. It's the second annual Ugly Xmas. Welcome. <clears throat> That's my line. Oh. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. And today we have put together a council of X-Fans so we can overanalyze what's going on in current comics to get us ready for what comes next. What comes next? That's what everyone wants to know. That's the big question. We don't quote evil humans evil mutants in this in this house okay sure we do no i'm not unless i like them and that one i don't like so before we bring in our council we just wanted to say first of all thank you for being here welcome to our live show um welcome to our living room welcome to our living room we want to give you a little bit of history on what ugly xmas is how it came to be this type of event and uh let you know what you can expect for this year's show. So, Justin, would you like to talk about the original event, Ugly Christmas? Sure. We made a Christmas party, and we wanted it to include all the fun games and activities that we love about Christmas. So, Yankee swaps, ugly sweater competitions, guess the ornament number on the tree. Uh, it evolved in various ways. We just kind of like added on to it year over year. Yes. It, added in this uh, Billy on the street yeah. type Christmas trivia where we just started shouting at our guests Christmas trivia. And uh, one of our friend made these ridiculously awesome paper cutouts. Yes, of Christmas images. characters. We had pinned the nose on the snowman, which we played at the end of the night after everybody had already been drinking, yep. which wasn't really a great plan. Yes, but it was fun. fantastic. Um, so it was. it's a party that has evolved, and we really like to point out in that party the ugly things of Christmas. So all the prizes and things awarded were like nips and scratch tickets and things your drunk uncle <laughs> might have. It was like free tickets to a strip club. Yeah, one year, one year the liquor store had like passes to a strip club. So we grabbed some of those. But, you know, this party was evolving and growing and it was one of our favorite things to do for the holidays. And then the pandemic hit and we weren't able to have the party, but we had also just started the podcast. So we decided to take Ugly Christmas and turn it into Ugly Xmas, which was a live show. And last year it was based off of the end of what would have been season one for the podcast, which was all talking about House of X and Powers of Ten also known as Hox Pox. Hox uh, I'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but for today, for this evening, what you can expect from us and our council is going to be some discussion of key points um, in the Inferno books, a look at some Hox Pox Inferno connections. I've, I've done some murder boarding to pull out some very specific connections. And then we're just going to have a little bit of holiday fun. Uh, so... Enough nonsense. Enough just Justin and Alicia. This is a special day. We're going to bring on our friends. So we are really excited to have five amazing X-Fans here with us today to make up our council. Um, these people are friends. They are people that we like to dig into the discussion with in uh, DMs. They're just overall great humans, and we're really excited to have them all on. Page, so Page turn noise. Page turn noise. Yes, Michael. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have each of them pop up into the screen and join us on the council. And when they do so, they're going to uh, tell us their pronouns. They are going to 
give us an X character, an X man, they would like to see more in the X comics right now and also tell us their favorite holiday tradition. So one more thing that we need to do is give you those answers. So as you know, I'm Alicia. Uh, she, her are my pronouns. An X man or an X character that I'd like to see more in the comics would be Dazzler because I don't really know a lot about Dazzler and I'm ready. I'm here for it. And my favorite holiday tradition is the way that Justin and I exchange gifts on Christmas morning. Um, we do like a shot for shot. We do go a little crazy on gift giving for each other. So we kind of do like you open one, I open one, you open one, I open one. And since it's just the two of us, it really, really drags out Christmas morning. So that's one of my favorite traditions. Justin. My turn. Hey, I'm Justin. He, him. My X-Man of choice that I want to see more of, I think it's Forge, even though he's already on a current book, or yeah. actually Multiple Man, because I really enjoyed the bits of him that we got in X-Corp, and I always want more Multiple Man. My favorite holiday tradition is actually is kind of a story, um, so you can't see it. I think you could see it in the pre-roll tape. We have a little Christmas village that's right next to me that has grown over the years. I started, I think it was our second Christmas together. Yep. I gave Alicia a little village house of a dance hall, theater hall. And it grew into this big thing. My grandparents used to do this when I was a kid to the point where it took over full rooms of their house. And when they passed, they gave a handful of those houses to us. So we have this, this big collection and this year, Alicia told me two days ago, she's like, uh, I have all your Christmas presents, but I didn't get something for the village. Wait, well, you, we should mention continuously every year. So now we've built it. We each get each other something for the village every year. Right. And so it's it's grown exponentially out of control. But she said, I didn't get you something for the village. And I said, oh, do you hate tradition? <laughs> do you just... It wasn't probably wasn't the best holiday cheer to say. <laughs> Well, anyway, I've remedied it. He's got something for the, the we're village. We're good. We're good. So we're good. So without further ado, let us bring the council together. Our first council member is co-host of the House of X podcast. Let's welcome Dylan. Yay. Hi, Hi. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, so yeah, my name is Dylan. I go by he, him. Uh, a lot of my Z-list favorite X-Men characters have actually been in the comics in the past year, which is actually shocking. So a uh, character that I would like to actually be in current books would probably be Paige Guthrie, rather known as Husk. She hasn't really been seen that much. And uh, Christmas tradition. Uh, I've always had cats in my life, so I always like to get them gifts and wrap them in wrapping paper and then put catnip all over the wrapping paper so they will rip it open like a child so that that would be a tradition i like to do awesome. that is fantastic all right our next council member is the host of the gray malkin lane podcast everybody welcome chad Merry Christmas. happy holidays everybody it's nice to be here thank you for the invitation uh, i use he him pronouns my name is chad uh, I want to see the character uh, Unusion from the Acolytes in a book. Ooh. Uh, that's going to be my choice. And uh, I grew up in a family that did really complicated Christmas traditions. So I like to keep mine very simple. I do one big gift for the family and then some like toys and games. And Christmas Day 
uh, with my husband and kids is just like keeping their PJs on and playing video games and board games all day. Uh, so it's a, it's just a really lovely, relaxed day. That's my favorite thing. Amazing. I love it. PJs all day is where it's at. That's what I'm trying to do. Okay. Our third (laughs) council member is the host of the power of X-Men podcast. Please welcome Dayspring. Oh oh my God, I'm drinking. (laughs) Soccer to everyone. Uh, My pronouns are he, him, a character I would absolutely love to see return in the X-Books would be Nate Gray. Shocking. Get him out of that Age of X-Men pocket universe he's in. And in terms of Christmas traditions or holiday traditions, you know, I'm Cuban, so we always get a lechon and we bury it in the backyard. And that sounds a lot more grotesque than it actually is, but I haven't done that in a while. So I'm going to say we go to the Nintendo store every year, my husband and I, and we pick out gifts for our dogs. Amazing. That's awesome. Love that. Okay. Next up, we have co-host of Two Rivers, Two Takes podcast. Welcome, Daryl. Hey, everyone. Um, fun fact, our podcast was inspired by the X-Wave podcast. So, hey. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So it's my partner and I tackling different things where one of us is the expert, one of us isn't. So I'm Daryl. I use he, him. And... I think the X-Men I want to see more of is right behind me. There, that, that hand. It's Gambit. And I almost pooped myself because um, Chris Claremont responded to a comment from your Instagram page where I was speculating about what the upcoming series involving Gambit and Storm would be. And he's like, you're not even close. And I'm like, it's okay. You can tell me I'm not. <laughs> Um, my favorite holiday tradition is probably putting up the tree because it gives us a little extra light and ambiance in the darkest part of the year. So mm. all those lights and everything, it's really fun to enjoy that. That's magical. That's great. We have one more fabulous council member. This person is someone who we love to dig deep with the comics about. Nope. About the comics with. Uh, yo, let's go. Here's Michael. Hey, Michael. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm Michael. I'm the only non-podcaster. So I'm the, <laughs> just a civilian nerd. <clears throat> I go by he, him. Um, the person I want to see more of is Hellion. Um, I know his powers are kind of basic, but so are Quentin's, and he's getting a push. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, for the traditions, I guess, like, White elephant, you know. When people do it right, when the gifts are actually fun, and not just you know, candy bags and scratchers and stuff. So. I love white elephant. Yeah. That's just layers upon layers of steals and and reveals and. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, well, this is the council, y'all. I'm so excited. I can't wait to give my prompts to you and see what you do with them. So the first segment of today's show is called What the Heck is Hoxpox? And uh, it's going to give us a little recap of what happened in House of X and Powers of Ten. And in this section, we are going to have each of our council members tell us a summary of Hoxpox in three sentences or less. But before we do that, we got story time from Justin. So last year we had this show, essentially, and it was Alicia's first time having read a comic series. And she read House of X and Powers of Ten, Hawks Pox, 
and we kept on referring to it as such. And my dad, he watched the show, and he has never read comics, never really engaged in X-Men, and he loved the show, but said to us afterwards, he was like, I love it. I had no idea what was going on. Can you tell me what the heck was Hoxbox? I, I, you had to have said it. You had to have said it multiple times, but I had no idea what you were talking about. So if that is the case for anyone watching, this segment is for you. And if my dad's watching again, this is what Hoxbox is. If you haven't, you know, in case you up. didn't get it yet. All right. So we're just going to go, go through our council. So Dylan, why don't you go first? Give us your three sentences or less version of Hoxbox. Oh boy. I, I, we, we had this prepared and I still didn't know how to answer it. Uh, it is a new era for the X-Men comics. It shows a very bleak future and a kind of refreshing hope to the present. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Chad? Okay, I did have time to think about this. Uh, weary of a world uh, that, weary of trying to protect a world that hates and fears them. Mutants form their own nation on a living island. They use uh, plant-based technology to set up gateways around the world and provide drugs to humans. Uh, and they focus really hard on mutant synergy, which has allowed them to conquer death uh, with resurrections. I have to stop there. That's three. Amazing. <laughs> That's right. Cut yourself off. Thank you for being honest. Yeah, we weren't we were counting the sentences. I was like, we were just mm -hmm, like okay, yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I could have okay. thrown lots of adverbs and commas, but that was sufficient. You're such a good person, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> I would be All right, Dace Break, what do you got for us? Oh, gosh. Um, white party for the X-Men. Basically, it's 24-7 partying on an island, and there's lots of resurrections. Get it. That is That's legit. That's it. That's it. That's, That's it. the tweet. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Send. All right. Daryl. All right. I'm taking it from the reader standpoint. Good jumping on point to read the X-Men. Does X mean X or 10? And yes. a lot of fun, a lot of titles. You don't need to read all of them. <laughs> oh, yes. I this love that. This is like, what is the Krakoan era? <laughs> that was fantastic. That was good. Okay. And Michael. I'll say Magneto was kind of right, Cyclops was kind of right, and Xavier's still a jerk. Yo. <laughs> I'm here for that. Do you have do you have three sentences? Oh no, I thought the council was gonna <laughs> <laughs> That's why I threw it to you. Okay, so I'll I'll give you my three. Um there is a island of Krakoa that is an island but also a man where all of the mutants live. Moira is now a mutant and her lives are integral in the survival of mutant kind. And you get to see multiple futures that all look bleak for the X-Men. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What about you? The mutants are tired of getting murdered. <laughs> so now they're on top. Yeah. And they can do whatever they want because they got money and resources and drugs and they sell them and it's great. 
All of and which Emma Frost provides. <laughs> that was two sentences. Okay, sorry. And the future looks terrible, but it's not really the future. It's the past oh, God. of Moira. And if that hurt your brain, good. It's supposed to. Yay. Okay. Well, with that, before we really dig deep into um, you know, the the heart of the council and the discussion, we're gonna break for our first game and also ask all of our council members to show off their <clears throat> ugly sweaters and or whatever it is they are wearing at this current moment. So what's gonna happen is a little explanation that the council members don't even know right now. So I have here a tally. Okay. And each round of game, we are going to ask each individual council member a question. At the end of the game, we will have tallied how many correct answers there are. And whoever has the most correct answers will win a prize. We do have um, tiebreaker questions at the end of the show, should we end up in a tie situation. The first round of questions are Christmas-themed. The second round of questions are X-Men-themed. And, uh, well, actually, this, the second and third are both X-Men-themed. Um, and if you win, I know that some of you um, a while back saw the box that I got at uh, Rhode Island Comic Con, the mystery box. And in that box, there was a mug. And that mug was a heat-changing uh, Phoenix mug. Now, we were not able to find um, another version of that mug, that exact mug, but we did find okay. a different version, which is a heat-changing mug. And um, one of you will be having that delivered to you should you win this. Okay. But oh, okay. Wow. okay. So my question was going to be, it's not a phoenix. It's not a phoenix because a phoenix. we is, couldn't find it anywhere. It is the, but I think it's better than I know, phoenix. I'm, it's I'm the wraparound issue one that from is Jim Lee and Chris Claremont. So it starts with just Magneto, and then as your the coffee heat. fills, the heat The heat reveals. brings the X-Men. Yes. Yes. So that being said, we're going to start with our first round of trivia. And we're going to go backwards. So I'm going to start with Michael. Great. Michael, <laughs> you got this. You got this. How got many it, ghosts, how many ghosts show up in a Christmas carol? Oh my god, I don't I don't even know if I've seen that. Um uh, three. Ooh, I'm sorry. The answer is four. I was gonna there say are four, four ghosts in a Christmas carol. There is the ghost of Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future, but also Jacob Marley. So and four. if you're going by Muppet Christmas Carol standards, there are actually five because of Marley and Marley. Yes. Oh, how could you? How could anyone not go by Muppet Christmas Carol standards? Okay, <clears throat> Daryl, this question is for you. Elvis isn't going to have a white Christmas. He's going to have a blue Christmas. A blue Christmas. Yes. Good. Tally wow, Daryl. <laughs> okay, day spring. Bring it. Which country is eggnog from? Oh my god, I don't even like eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even I've drank eggnog like once in my life. I'm, I'm gonna say America. Ooh, sorry. Eggnog Shocker. is from England. Oh gosh. You know, you thought you were here to learn about X-Men, but you're also learning about 
weird Christmas Christmas tradition. Ask me where vodka's from, kids. (laughs) (laughs) This one's for Chad. Chad, what is the name of the main villain in a night in the Nightmare Before Christmas? Uh, Oogie Boogie. Yes. Oogie Boogie, who actually to this day still terrifies me. Please never Oogie Boogie. <laughs> it's the bugs. Yes, I get it. Yeah, it's nah, totally nah, the nah. bugs. Yeah. <sighs> okay. okay. <laughs> I wrapped Alicia's presents in Nightmare Before Christmas wrapping paper. Maybe I shouldn't have. No, but Jack Skellington is amazing. If right. there was Oogie Boogie on the paper, we'd have problems. All right. Thank you for asking the father the Disney question. That was nice. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Dang it. I did not do that on purpose. Okay. This is rigged. This is rigged. Dylan, this question is for you. In the classic Christmas movie, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Grinch was described with three words. What are those three words? I'm I'm not even going to guess because I'll get it wrong. I I don't know. (laughs) The answer is stink, stank, stunk. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that. Dang. Dang. Never would I have thought of those words. Too much Christmas knowledge that I was like, yes, all of these answers. Okay. I have a bonus question. So it's a two-parter. And if by chance anybody could tell me the reason. Okay, never mind. First part of it. First part. True or false? Jingle Bells is a Christmas song. False. False. True. True. False. Okay, the answer is false. And anyone that can tell me what holiday it is actually for and why will get a bonus point. Anybody? <laughs> I just know it's false. That's it. <laughs> okay. Is it St. So, Nicholas Day? No. So is it for New, a New Year's? Are we no. allowed to Google while you're asking? <laughs> no. No, that, no, that is hardcore cheating. I mean, no, no. Just keep you the wine glasses on Holy Day Spring. <laughs> okay, all right. Oh. Sorry, okay, Carol, so you know me so well. <laughs> the answer is false because it was actually a song that was written in Massachusetts, which is close to us, um, for Thanksgiving because Massachusetts used to have sleigh races around Thanksgiving. So it's actually a sleigh racing Thanksgiving song. There you go. And now you know. <laughs> now you have useless trivia. You can use it your next holiday party. Sure, okay. Rupi's down to take the work. Stop it. You guys so, so me. far we have one point for Chad and one point for Daryl towards the mug. All right, back to the X-Men. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of Inferno. I have some questions for all of you. But before we do that, Justin's going to give us a recap of the first three issues of Inferno. The two biggest threats outlined in Hoxpox were Nimrod, the mutant hunting adaptive sentinel, and Destiny, the future seeing mutant. Both were to be prevented at all costs. Now in Inferno, not only is Nimrod online, but the mutants can't seem to get to him. And he's only getting better at taking them down. Not only has Destiny been resurrected, but through Mystique's manipulations, she's now a council member of the Quiet Council, the ruling body of Krakoa. In trying to keep control over the Quiet Council, Xavier and Magneto have brought in Emma Frost on their plans with Moira. But... The reaction was not what they were hoping for. Emma has since revealed their secrets to Mystique and Destiny, who now know the fate of this timeline rests in Moira's control. Orcus, the group of human scientists who banded together to fight the oncoming mutant threat, 
are only getting more and more powerful as their defenses, intelligence, and resources grow. Most recently, it was revealed they have a secret aiding in their plans. They've seen the future and know that in this timeline, the mutants always win. Armed with that information, they will stop at nothing to prevent mutant control. At the end of the last issue, Destiny and Mystique have Moira captured and have lured Xavier and Magneto into a trap cornered by Nimrod and Omega Sentinel. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, so we're going to open this up just for council reactions and discussion. But before I do that, I just want to throw three questions at you. Um, has this been what you've expected? What has been the most exciting moment for you? And what are your hopes for the final issue? So feel free. Ready, set, go. So, no, I thought Inferno was going to deal with Krakoa burning. I, I wanted to see some fire. I was really angry. You know, I, I wanted to kind of see it all burn down. Um, I think the best moment for me was when Destiny came back, but she mm -hmm. came back in a younger body. And Mystique was like, I, it was a little gift for you and for me. I thought that was so cute, so emblematic of their relationship and so playful. Yes, I totally agree. I think it is what I expected in that I had no expectations except that it would be amazing. Um, <clears throat> the Moira subplot or the Moira storyline, I feel like was such an atom bomb when it was first revealed in Hawksbox. And it's just been kind of hanging in the background for a couple of years. So I'm really happy to see it highlighted again. Uh, I love that this book makes you hate and love all of the characters. Uh, you're like sad for Professor X and Magneto, but you kind of want them to get it at the same time. I mean, Are we sad? <laughs> <laughs> a minute ago, we, we normally hate mystique but now we're like totally rooting for her right it's like it's switching things around yeah uh, i i want to know what moira's deal is is she trying to wipe out mutants what secrets is she keeping uh so i want to see everything explode even more in, in the fourth issue i have these same questions i do not trust moira at all I, you know, with Moira, I, I think what really I feel for her, I think she's severely traumatized from, was it her third life where Destiny mm -hmm. burned her? And I, I, I think she's playing it really close to the vest right now. I think she has ill intentions, but I think she's just seen this happen over and over again. And she just doesn't trust Destiny. Amazing. Anybody I, else? I agree with the thought that I had no idea what to expect because I feel like the past two-ish years have thrown X-Men fans for a loop, but in a good way. Mm -hmm. And I love Omega Sentinel, Karima Shopendar, and I love that she's in a story, even though she's the bad guy. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, I feel, too, with the fact that every issue of Inferno starts with a quote from her that she's just going to be – there's obviously, right, with the idea that she's the one who's actually from the future and she knows that's already her being a huge role. The big reveal. But I just feel like there's going to be something really amazing that happens with her in the next issue. I – um. I didn't really have a whole lot of expectations, but I entered the series after reading the original Inferno. So I um, read all of that. So I really wanted to see a himbo version of Havoc. 
again, <laughs> and we have to receive that. Yes. So if they can somehow slide that in, that would be great. I do like all the developments, and finally we're getting Moira, the payoff to that Moira reveal slash secret that they built up, because that was probably my favorite arc from the beginning of the Hoxpox era, where all of her lives and seeing how they were woven together and how hard she was trying to make her goal. So um, I'm really excited for the rest of it. And I think whatever it is, it's setting this up for obviously the next era. We're getting a whole lot of teases. So um, I think it's going to be good. They're going to tie things up and get us to that next point, which is good story writing. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I'm just excited about where it's going personally. Yeah, it's going to be bonkers. Michael, I, do you have um, anything? Yeah. Um, I kind of I expected like the kind of political drama of it. So that's so that's been fine. Um, I thought there would be more kind of destruction, you know, with all the talking of burning everything down all the time. I thought maybe, like, you know, Mystique when Destiny would come out with like maybe Madeline and Sabretooth, you know, to help them. Um, mm -hmm. But I think my favorite part has been when Destiny came out when she came to the council. Um, I don't know if you saw the promo where part of it started with like that real slow music, the, like the slow piano. I, I don't know. I thought that scene kind of played out like a movie. You know, like you can hear, I, I thought I could hear like that music and like for Kate, you know, kind of looks like she was moving and slow-mo, even though it's yeah. paper, you know? Yes. Um, like the that. last part, number four, I want to know why it's called Inferno. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we haven't seen anything burned down or destroyed or, you know, if it's just some little fire at the Orcas base and that's kind of <laughs> not dumb. I mean, I like the story, but Inferno might not be the name for it, you know? <laughs> but well, it's not even a symbolic Inferno. <laughs> It's yes. not even this, symbolic or emotional. Right. <laughs> this is a trend, apparently. We name we name comics it's things to, that they a, don't it's mean. To bring a you trial. in on the hype of the legacy name and then to swerve on what it actually is about. Yeah. The trial of somebody with no trial and it's not even really about them. <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> it was yeah. 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 Issue five, though. Issue five was great i love yes. oh yes, yes. Oh, guys, i'm not saying that and they do mention that that is the truck that they talk about what is magneto's trial. trial within that i will give them that magneto's real trial is to learn how to love that's what it was all along the whole time <laughs> how sailor moon of them Christmas spirit. <laughs> but you know okay. what? About Inferno, though, the yeah. thing that has shocked me the most is that it feels very middle of the road. It doesn't feel like an ending, you know, to the, to the Hickman saga. So I'm curious for the final issue. I don't think it's going to end definitively. I don't, I, in terms of a Hickman story, I think years from now, we're going to get Hickman come back to really tell the ending. This feels so middle of the road. I would love Hickman to come back. I, I we, I know that it's not going to end. Just we know it's not going to end. It, it's got to. It's got to tease up what's next, right? You know, and yeah. that that is the 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 crux of it is that it maybe could have been an ending or a, a midpoint, but I has it been extended otherwise? I, I think it's a it's a stirring the pot moment, and then what comes next Great. is who knows. Um, Okay. Why, why did Alicia just get super excited and all winky about things? I, I know. Like, we'll find out soon. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Are we gonna get spoiler? Yes. No, no, no spoilers. No spoilers. This is for later. Okay. So everybody has to keep watching. Ha ha ha! Oh, oh her murder board. Her murder board. 
<laughs> it's not it's not it's not I mean, anything to do with me you'll just have some patience is there a special guest no that, no, not really <laughs> um Wait, anyway Hickman, anyway Beth... Jonathan Hickman is in your living room yes he's know. under the table we're just hiding him in the background um okay I want to talk about a couple things in Inferno that are really uh bothering me so so whoa hot takes so in the latest issue we found out a lot about doug and krakoa and warlock and the sort of beginnings of the the krakoan flowers the gates the habitats and one thing in particular the medicine so I would like uh, all of the council members, just going off of the conversation between Beast and Doug, um, where Beast gave Doug very specific instructions, which we were not given the answers to um, in the creation of these Krakoan medicines. So council members, can you please fill in this blank? They all died from complications of, what do you think? And Beast is the one who's saying this? I yes. So... In the issue, uh, yeah, Doug, they're talking about the cadavers, and mm -hmm. Doug says he followed all the instructions, and B says, oh, so they all died of complications of, and then he gets cut off. So I want to know what the complications are, what you think they are. Complications of the legacy virus. Ooh. I like that answer. Complications of all of my illegal experiments, because I claim <laughs> to be a scientist when I actually have no PhD, <laughs> is what they died of. I want to guess maybe complication. It's so hard to tell like the time frame that they were showing with Doug and the island. And I want to say maybe complications with resurrection. Ooh. That's a good one. That's a really good Ooh. one. I like that. Um, mine is related to Day Springs. Complications of Beast's BS. Just, <laughs> yes. it's, it's an extenuating circumstance in everyone's death on Krakoa. Mm-hmm. Just basically just cover up my my nonsense yeah. and, and make something good out of it. Yes. Michael in the chat said they all died because Beast is a serial killer. Yes, Michael. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's for real. Yeah, he probably killed them. He probably took them, knew they were sick, and put them in the garden or whatever and just watched them slowly die without medicine. You know, he thinks he's the conductor of everything. Oh, my so God. He was, you know, buried them alive? Oh, science for the good of his people. He, he thinks it's just an ex another experiment. Because they're going to die off anyway. My goodness. Another interesting thought is uh, they died from complications of the transmode virus. Is mm. Warlock like giving oh, into becoming the Magus and they're spreading their influence through the planet? And every human who's taking a pill now has the transmode virus in them. Wow. Oh, and that, that ties into the idea that humanity always wins in the previous lives because they bond with the phalanx and they're able to ascend the evolutionary ladder. So maybe that's the way they get exposed to the failings. Mm, I like this. Ooh. See, good questions from and answers from smart people. I'm here for it. Okay. So this next one, Justin and I have this debate going. Uh, whether or not Moira was set up, like 100% set up by destiny and mystique with the help of emma or if some of this was just a coincidence so i'm gonna lay out some facts um also just know that this debate was started before these facts were brought to light 
and has not been updated since said facts have been brought. I'm going to bring up some facts um, from the first three issues. And I want you all to let let us know what you think. Are you on team? It was a setup from the start, or are you on team? It was a happy coincidence that they then worked to their advantage. So in issue one of Inferno, there is a scene um, where Orcus is upset with horticulture because they think that they gave them basically faulty equipment. So they can't get the proper readings that they need on this Paris hub, um, this this place where they know there's a Krakoan gate in, in Paris. They don't have the proper readings and they think it's horticulture's fault. And horticulture ends up uh, deciphering the information and saying, no, it's not that we gave you the wrong equipment or the wrong, our, our stuff doesn't work. It's actually that there are two gates instead of one. And so in that moment, one, I have suspect questions about where the other gate goes, Moira, but I won't, that's not a fact. So I'll, I'll just push that to the side. Um, but two, once that happens, Orcus sends a team, straight out sends a team to go and investigate this Paris location and, and see what's up. So that team is already on their way there before anything else happens. Um, also, Sage, right? So we know that basically Orcus and, and the X-Men or Orcus and Krakoa have this endless loop of I'm monitoring you, monitoring me, monitoring you situation. And when this happens, when they send this team out, Sage alerts every, like sets off an alert that they then need to send another team to counteract this team. Now Mystique does disguise herself as Sage and disrupt this. She overrides it under saying that Xavier is the one who over, who did the override. But then she goes to Paris to to go into the Orca space to get information. So do you think that that was all in her plan in order to expose Moira or to set up Moira? Or do you think just this, this downfall of what happens to leading to Moira being in Paris, do you think all of that is just a coincidence that they use to their advantage? Uh, Justin, I know when you started your podcast, your attempt to convert your wife to X-Men has clearly succeeded. <laughs> Almost too much for my own good that she's, she's now... <laughs> I, I don't I, even know if I can follow that. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can follow exactly what you said, Alicia, but I, I do think that Mystique, Emma, and Destiny are setting up Moira. And I think she is in the position she's going to be in because of, of them. And I know we got in issue three, the scene cut off with the gift. So we know that they want to take care of Moira. We know that Moira is afraid of Destiny and, and Mystique. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm going to agree. I think we're going to find out it's all been a setup this entire time. I'm on that team, too. I agree. Whatever. And if I were texting with Moira, I would send her the gif of Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost being like, you a danger girl. <laughs> oh, wait, can we talk though about Krakoan security, how Mystique is able to shapeshift into Sage and take control <laughs> of the security system and like, no one said something about that? Like, I just got questions about that. And it never had good security. Just ever. by clearing her throat. Oh, yeah. Um, just run the protocol. We're good. I, I, to, to go 
with that day spring i mean have you been reading x-force <laughs> their security is not that good anyway mystique I doesn't mean, mystique doesn't have to do anything <laughs> i mean beast is there oh god yeah my big fear <clears throat> you can read something like the watchman and every little image, every little shadow matters. And you can go back and pick it apart and find clues and threads and nuggets and interpret it. Or you can have an experience like watching Lost. Do you guys watch Lost where you're like keeping oh, yeah. tallies and character sheets and timelines. And then in the end, most of it didn't pay off because the writers just forgot about it. So I'm hoping this turns out to be a, uh, a Watchmen experience and not a Lost experience in the end. Oh, gosh. I want to, I want to agree that it's a Watchmen experience with you, Chad. But... Alicia had the best theory about Wanda's murder and none of that played out, you know, about the timestamps. And we were even finding out that, oh, Wanda walked through a gate without a, a Krakoan flower. What does that mean? Girl, it didn't mean anything in the end. So honestly, so infuriating. And you had the best theory out there. Your theory was legitimately good and, and tight and solid. So with this, I'm going to say it's more self-contained. And and we'll take the story for what it is, but I don't, I don't know. It, it, in fairness to the X Office, this is like how many books trying to be synchronized. It's very hard to get that synchronicity. Yes, for sure, for sure. So nobody, nobody's on my <laughs> side on this one. <laughs> oh, I thought I was on your side. I'm sorry. I... No, that's my side. No, we good. We good. I'm so sorry, Alicia. I, I'm it's sorry. Okay. I take back anything I just said. I'm on Team Alicia. <laughs> I might agree Record that it, it, some of it could be happenstance because I feel like Mystique, she's smart and sly, but she's not that smart and sly. So I feel like if she would have known about Moira to begin with or ha had known about her for a while, that she might not have kept it to herself. So I think there might be a part of it that could be happenstance of her not knowing about Moira until Emma told her. I just think that that Emma knew where Moira was at that moment or knew where Moira was going to be. Yes. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> that Emma knew where Moira was, was, and she knew what was going on because she's got ins and they're all in the council. Right. But I think that they were like, Oh, this is where Moira is. I, I guess my question is more so, the coming in of, of Nimrod, right? And the fact that um, Charles and Magneto are set up when they go in to get that arm, Nimrod is there. I don't think that was that, intentional. That was a coincidence, but that was a coincidence that spun out of the fact that a activity called them there. So the coincidence that they were the ones that responded, yes, that was not something that they- Nimrod and Omega. Right, that was not something that was planned for. But the setup of the bait of Moira and the retrieval of Mystique and Destiny, that was all orchestrated to then. And then the trap of leaving the arm with the tracker in it, that was all. That was planned. Right. Yeah, I think, though, that's Emma, Mystique, and, and Destiny. I think they want Xavier Magneto neutralized while he's taking on Nimrod so they can deal with Destiny. So I think they did see Nimrod coming for that. I think it was all, I think it was all planned. Oh. If I have to bet it. I want every issue of Inferno to be double the size, but with the same amount of content. 
Mm. I feel like uh, like the, the, reading that last one, the ending was like, what the hell? But then also like, wait, how did we get here? There was like that last yeah. five pages where it was just like, bah, 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 but it didn't really explain how you ended up where you ended up. Uh, so I hope the next issue picks that up. I needed, I, I needed a whole book to explain Omega Sentinel's timeline. Yes. 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 Agreed. <laughs> and the thing I'm most frustrated with uh, after Destiny's, Destiny's Resurrection, we got like one page of how she and Mystique like got back together and fell in love again, right? I want like a so whole dense. limited series about that. Like that was yeah. amazing. I feel like there were, th there's a couple of threads that could be their own ongoing or their own mini. Just this as itself is so dense for four issues that so you could have spread this out a little bit longer. It's so for, much material. Yeah. But Can this is always like a criticism with Hickman, which is he glosses over some of the more high intense emotional moments. And then when you stop to think about it, you're like, okay, Destiny has been back for a month. Didn't Cerebro pick her up if, if Xavier's downloading? Mm. Like, how was she able to mm. remain blind for that entire month? I'm fine. You can write it away that Mystique installed something. That, that's great. I, I can always wrap my head around that. But it's not tackled. And I think that's the nuts and bolts of why we love the X-Men. It's that very fine, you know, character drama and those explanations. So, But I, I would... Mean, Charles I would is also always say, wearing that helmet. God, yeah. He's always got the helmet on. Like he never he except in. when he sleeps. Except when he sleeps, as we saw in uh Sykes Barrier's run. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess maybe Mystique is convincing Hope to hide her somehow. Mm, she's trying yeah. to kind of do her own thing well, and be like, yeah, because, well, we're in charge now, you know? Yeah. But Mystique does when Mystique is Xavier, she does say, like, this is very hush hush now. Like Go away, celebrate by yourself. I need to like take care of this. So maybe they somehow keep it under wraps. I mean, the five is out on Charles, so I don't know that they they care what happens really. Can we erase those forty pages of Wolverine surfing and just put them in the last Inferno book with content we want? Yes. Oh. Here for that. Oh, guess they, what? Yeah, they it's could game have played surfing. Yay. It's you. Okay, so the next okay, but first of all, oh. how dare we? We said we were gonna have you all show off your looks, and then we didn't. So <laughs> I we need to do that out. real quick first. Um, Dylan, show us what you what you're working with over there. Okay, so I had an ugly sweater picked out and I washed it, but then I didn't dry it. So <laughs> the, the next best thing I thought was to wear a DC shirt. So I have a Black Adam shirt on, and I mean, DC's ugly. I thought that was Black Adam. Oh my gosh, that's perfection. I'm here for that. Yes, I've got uh, I've got Christmas dinosaurs over Christmas Yoda. Yes, I honestly like want to give you an extra point just for your look, <laughs> but I won't do that. I'll be fair. <laughs> but I, lo I love everything about what's going on there. It hurts my eyes. <laughs> and that's what makes it perfect. Um, so I'm on an island in Florida. I've looked everywhere for an ugly Christmas sweater or holiday decorations in general. They are sold out. They're not sold out of COVID tests here, at-home COVID tests. <laughs> so I am wearing a Jaws florida shirt and on the back it explains a different kind of uh shark teeth you can find <laughs> on the stores of florida so you know it's, I, it's educational it's right. educational and stylish We're good. and fun fact this is a youth medium so Ooh. i'm pretty okay, happy don't need to brag. 
I mean, <laughs> listen. But um, I'm sorry, I did not do the assignment. Merry Twinkmas, okay. Day Spring. Merry Twinkmas. I'm here for it. <laughs> I sort of did the assignment. Um, oh. um, and this is something that I know that Day Spring has mentioned on his podcast. Um, the availability of Marvel stuff is just crazy compared to like even 10 years ago. So yeah. I have like this full union suit um, from Target that features my first comics love, how I fell in love with actually reading the comics, The Avengers. And it even has a hood. It has two zippers, gentlemen. So you can actually <laughs> utilize it and don't need to like strip off the top half. And it has pockets. So okay. ladies, it has pockets for you. It, That's huge. It is everything for every gender or non-bi. Like you don't need to even define who you are to enjoy this. It's Amazing. soft. You can go out, get lost in a Minnesota snowstorm, and <laughs> you'll be fine. Wait, can we get a full body? No. Um, <laughs> this is my leg. No. Here we go. Okay, so, but that's still nimble. I can't believe you just did that. You don't ask me to raise a leg. I I pulled like three muscles right now, but okay. <laughs> I love it. Fantastic, Michael. Uh, I also failed. Um, I was gonna go try to build something, but it's raining in LA, and you know we don't do good with that. Yeah. Um, so I wore a, a a jean gray shirt because I like to bother Dylan. <laughs> I mean, I love the artist that made that shirt, but. It's a jean shirt, so in my oh. life, you are wearing the ugliest shirt here. So good job. Oh. I, I, I wore it when he was That's out here. We went to meet, and he looked at me and said, oh, "You really shame. have to wear a jean shirt." Wow. No, our God Queen, you should be honored to wear our God Queen T-shirt. Ay, <laughs> ay. Okay. Tell me about your sweater. Oh, my sweater. This is my. I'll give you a stand-up. Don't, don't make fun of the fact that my pants don't match, but it's okay. Um. My sweater is my OG ugly sweater. I bought it at Savers. It has a little elf dangling on it. It wreathed with a ribbon that has become untied on one side, but that's what makes it have character. Um, yeah, it's it's old and itchy and uh, perfect for an ugly sweater party. You are fully ready to teach a kindergarten class. Yes, let's go. Exactly. Where's the glue and the weird little scissors that don't actually cut anything? So I, I thought she was going to say the at. weird little kid. <laughs> <laughs> I actually get yelled at every year for our holiday party because I never actually wear a sweater. This is a faux sweater. It just is a shirt that looks as though it's a sweater over a button down and a tie. But multiple years in a row, I have won our ugly sweater competition, which elicits even more protests yeah my brother says that we cheat but we don't we do a fair vote and we bring him in the room to count the votes so we do it as, as equally as possible yeah we do our best but it's but we do try really hard it's our party so if we happen to win every year like it's not our fault <laughs> um anyway time for some x-men trivia y'all ready yes <laughs> All right. Who's first? Uh, let's start in the middle. Let's start with Dayspring. You're first. Dayspring. All right, bring it. In the episode of X-Men the Animated Series, have yourself a Morlock little Xmas. Which two X-Men are in the kitchen cooking Christmas dinner? Come on. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Get me to Gene! Yes! You got a point. All right. Let's go now to Michael. Michael. 
What is Wolverine's first name? James. Oh, yes. yeah. Okay, we're going Dylan. Oh, boy. Dylan, <laughs> which X-Men died trying to capture Count Nefaria? Oh, Thunderbird. Yay! I didn't even realize that was the question. That was maybe the wrong person to ask. Topical. <laughs> you asked Dayspring a Jane question. So yeah. <laughs> this is true. We did. Okay, Daryl. In X-Men the Animated Series, who says, my friends? Oh, no. Um... <laughs> wait, wait. Do it again, but do it with like... <laughs> my friends! <laughs> it's a very deep cut. I just love this line, and that's oh. why it got made into a question. Jubilee? No! It is Morph. It's Morph. While uh, he is struggling with the influence of Sinister. Sorry, it's my fault. I really want that question because Justin quotes it constantly, and I just, I guess I think it's more relevant than it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and finally, Chad. Chad, in the E is for Extinction storyline, which country is destroyed? Oh, Genosha. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know why I had a fog there for a moment. That was I, honestly, I did the same thing when we talked about it earlier. It's okay. All right. So Chad is currently in the lead two to one. Everybody else has one. Okay. Back to our heated discussion. Oh, X reads had morph. Ooh, yes. X reads. Da, da, da. They get it. They, they know what's up. All right. So now we're going to start talking about some Hoxpox Inferno tie-ins. Um, so I'm going to give you all a little bit of info, and then I'm just going to let you go crazy and talk about it. Uh, we can all talk about it amongst ourselves. And I am going to try to keep us moving along so that we can get through all of them. But here we go. Here's our first one. The first one is about Magneto. So in Hoxpox, Magneto says to the ambassadors, there has never been a mutant war ambassador. We've never conquered a people, stolen their land, or made slaves of the vanquished. That's our real advantage. Now, in Inferno, Omega says that they do just that in her future. So do we think this is what causes Magneto to leave the council and Krakoa? And do we also think this unknown rift between Magneto and Charles that's mentioned in Hawksbox is going to come into play in the reasoning of why he's going to leave? First of all, fuck you, Magneto, because in the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants' first appearance, <laughs> they conquer a country and enslave the people. So, fuck you. So he's straight up lied. Yes. yes. Lied, yes. Um, and that's a, that's a big thing to leave over. And I feel that Magneto is really petty. So mm. it, it would not take something that big to make him leave. Yeah, I don't think that's why Magneto's going to leave the council. I, I don't know why or his rift with Xavier. They have a very complicated relationship. And mm -hmm. I just don't think we've seen any of those seeds planted yet in, in Trial of Magneto or in Inferno just yet. So I think it's anyone's guess. But I'm going to stick with Chad. Like, yeah, Magneto's just a liar. He's the worst. <laughs> I don't know if that's I don't know if that's the reason that he's gonna leave, but I think him saying that that kind of stuff is just kind of his way of being like, um, we're not like you, we're not monsters like you, we're not murderers like you. You try to always kill us. We don't do that, mm -hmm. you know. And then to find out later that that's exactly what you're gonna do, you know. Yeah. Well, maybe that is why he leaves. <laughs> maybe he's like, <laughs> you know, I tried to be good, I tried to be with you, and you're just like them. So yeah, why would I help you? It makes me think of their conversation between Xavier and Magneto, where. 
he's talking about after after the battle after we win what do we do with the humans and and charles mm. still wants to to have that integration he still wants to to have that peace between them and magnus is like no 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 man that was that's the point that's after they attack us that many times we gotta cut it yeah and i guess like in thinking about you saying that right the fact that because i never fully understand time travel and i know that it's different in any story whenever someone wants to put it in but if omega has now gone back in time and she's changing things that Orcus does or she's changing things that happen, the fact, the order in which they happen to lead to her future. Hasn't she already changed her future? Well, she's created a branch. She's created another timeline. I see. Um, I just had a comment from someone who's viewing this, my partner, Philip. Um, Amazing. He, uh, hey, he posits that maybe the Moira and uh, Charles combination screw over magneto in some way i actually was just gonna wait for everybody to yeah go for <laughs> stop it, talking go and for say it. that but i think we've seen here and there lately lots of times where eric has been disagreeing with charles and moira mm -hmm. and yeah I, I that's what i think is going to cause him to leave is i think charles might actually end up becoming even more of an ass and more of a jerk and possibly even more of a like mutant supremacist and mm -hmm. magneto might actually be more of the savior because we have seen that magneto let humans go and live on his island that were rescued by the marauders that's true so yeah i think magneto is actually going to be the good guy mm. i just want here for it i just want magneto to be like you know what charles you're wrong you know who is right emma Oh yeah. And then just like swoop it over to Emma and just run away and be like, I'm out. Emma, you got this. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our next topic. So Mars slash Araco. Yeah. In Hoxpox, in Life Nine of Moira, Mars is mentioned. It's established, it falls, but it's not called Araco. And that, and it falls with Krakoa, and the mutants now live, you know, in space, in Shi'ar space, and on asteroid K. And then in Inferno slash Reign of X, where we are now, Mars has been terraformed, and it is it is Araco. So it's big things now. Mars is very important. So I'm just wondering what you all think about how Mars ties into the future of Krakoa and what's what's going on there. Well, I think we saw in, what was it, X-Men number nine, the, the cover reveal, we see the Orcus Council kind of oh, yeah. forming. And I think that was a sinister secret. So I think now we're going to see the, is it the Araco Council, they called it on there mm -hmm. in the in sinister secret. I'm forgetting what it was called. But um, I think we're going to see more of a global, you know, perspective, or not global, excuse me, a celestial perspective on, on mutants and how it's going to be impacted by Orcus. So I think Mars may actually go to war and join, you know, what's going on with the Krakoan Council. That's the hope. That's the hope. <laughs> That's what Justin wants. It's an extraordinarily bold storyline to bring in a, an alternate dimension full of millions of mutants uh, and then give them a planet. Uh, it expands things exponentially. I, uh, I don't know what they're going to do with it yet, but I'm really excited to find out. Probably one of my favorite parts. Do y'all think I, that Krakoa is going to fall and 
like it does in Life 9 and Mars is going to be some saving grace for them or? Uh, I don't know. I think Krakoa is here to stay. I think that is our new status quo for a a good long while. So it it will stay as long as it needs to. But, um, you know, how Mars is going to play out. I Listen, Storm is our our, our soul regent. Like I am following her. So, you know, I I think Storm needs a good storyline. And I hope whatever happens, it's going to focus on Storm and her ability to lead and actually be one of the have a really good iconic story under her belt. And I think everyone here agrees that Storm being Soul Region is probably one of the best things that's come out of the Hickman era. Yes. Morocco in general, but yeah, Storm at the top, yes. Yeah, yeah. There's so many major storylines that don't stick, uh, like Utopia or uh, what what was the nation they formed during during Secret Empire? Nutian? Or whatever. Oh God, I didn't remember that. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's these bizarre things where they form these nations and it's gone in a couple of minutes. I think Krakow is going to be around for a while. I, I do. But the Araco thing, uh, reading Planet Size X-Men has probably been the biggest gut punch of uh, of the Hawksbox era for me. I was genuinely flabbergasted when I picked up that issue. Mm. And it was so beautiful. Uh, so beautiful. I, and it showed all the Omega level mutants, which we found out in Hawks Pox or House of X One that the greatest natural resource that the Krakoans have are Omega level mutants. Yeah. And so you're like, what does that mean? Because I remember thinking, why are you sending our God Queen Jean Grey out on this mission only to die? But of course, it can resurrect. So mm-hmm. if if they're the greatest natural resources and they can revive a dead planet like Mars, what else are they capable of? So that's sort of yeah. where I want to see where the story is going to lean towards. I don't know if that's like Claremonting where they're just planting the seeds for, you know, whatever plots in the future and someone can come in and use that. But I really do hope whatever happens with Mars, we're going to see the Omega level mutants tied to that as well, as well as Storm. Well, even the... Is Storm, is Storm Omega level? I'm forgetting. Is yeah. she? Is she, yes. she is Omega level. Okay. Even the Comunidade story with Risk and Abigail Brand connection that don't speak her name <laughs> i know risk was out searching for another area to terraform another yeah. planet or moon i believe it was to add to their fold so they're looking for that next step i yeah i think it's a whole new sandbox for them to play in and i love galactic marvel because they can have so much fun with it they can bring in so many different elements and I think this opens up a whole new area where it's the mutants out there. It's not just the Guardians of the Galaxy, which R.I.P. to that comic title because they shouldn't have ended it. But um, it's a big area for them to play in. It's a great new population for them to work with. And it's a different facet of mutantdom that I don't think that any of us were expecting to read about. But it's a lot of fun to actually experience. Yeah. It just opens up so many doors. And I just want to say, I think those are maybe doors that we should have been expecting because in House of Acts and Powers of Ten, when we did get that bleak future of how there was not very many mutants on Earth, there was a whole lot of mutants in space. And they they weren't on Mars. They were on, like, Chandelar. And then even in, like, deep, deep space. So... Yeah. and being used as super guardian stock. Yeah. It's interesting. 
it's interesting because like i think hickman is trying to tell a story about like warring species you know humans versus mutants and Mm -hmm. and if one succeeds over the other what happens to the other one do they go and you know they have this manifest destiny that's more celestial bound it's it's curious to see where they want i think that the possibilities are limitless i hope they take advantage of that you know I, i i i do hope what we are speculating eventually does come to fruition because I think it's just a wonderful, wonderful meal to just devour. Also, I don't, I don't think Krakoa is going anywhere anyway, but I would like to see more of it play out more of the, the wars and everything we've seen that are possible and coming and, you know, everyone probably uniting against them because they're growing too big. Um, mm-hmm. I know that really won't happen, but maybe we can just see more of it. You know, I think we spend enough time sailing around selling drugs you know, <laughs> up the stakes. Do a little more. Well, yeah. I, I've said this for years now. I want World War X. I want like a big world war. Everyone going to war with Prokoa. Oh, we started Everywhere. with uh, you know Dawn of X and then Reign of X. And I, somebody else said it wasn't me, but somebody else, and I thought it was cool. They said, uh, you know, what's next? Maybe like War of X and then Fall of X, and you know, mm. building like that. Little little sections along the way. You know, and, and Inferno could be just the latest like season finale type thing. And we get on to the next I'm thing. I'm going to start a war with, with Krakoa. Let's see all of that. Oh, someone just said, oh, Philip said Marauders in space. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Just take the Marauders anywhere and I'm here. Let's go. Um. All right. I want to talk a little bit about Destiny and Moira. So I'm going to kind of combine these two points together and then let y'all do your thing. So first point is in both Hawkspox and Inferno, when we see that scene replayed um where destiny burns moira and then even when destiny is talking about moira in inferno she mentions the fact that she just sees a hole in in the future that's like a basically like a person-shaped hole and she just can't see what it's going to be so i want to know why you think that like what do you think is it, it is about moira and her power or moira and her decision making that causes that hole and then on the flip side so when when destiny comes for Moira in her life and she says, listen, you are making this cure for mutants and that's going against your people. And I'm telling you, don't do that. I'm telling you to change who you are. I'm telling you to be for your people. So I'm going to burn you alive so that you understand that you need to remember to change. And so she does, right? She's changing. All of her lives going forward are supposedly about this idea of saving the mutants. So if she is really, truly on that trajectory, why is she so afraid of Destiny? If Destiny's only threat to her was that if she goes back to her altered, to her former plan of trying to cure cure mutants, then Destiny would come for her again. If she goes against mutants, Destiny's coming for her. If she's for mutants, Destiny's like, hey, what's up? Good for you, girl. So, one, why why can't Destiny really see Moira or Moira's future? And two, what is it exactly that Moira is afraid of in Destiny? Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Alicia, thanks. I, I know. <laughs> Just saying. I think the reason... Um, you said Destiny can't see Moira, right? I think maybe, you know, her, her thing is to see what, what's ahead, like the future and everything. But every time Moira dies, it's the same Moira that restarts everything 
but it's not the same destiny. You know, she doesn't. She's she doesn't know that she's lived. Mm. How would I put it? Um, you know what I mean? Destiny's yeah, right. Yeah. Gonna restart. Moira's does. It's a new destiny every time. So maybe when she's looking at her, she can't see her destiny because she's not there. Mm. You know? I don't know. But the um, the being the being afraid of her thing, I think that's more just her being like petty and angry. You know, like you burned me, so I don't want you here, kind of thing. Yeah, I get that. Why they're so dangerous? But she just keeps saying we can't have any precogs. We can't have any precogs, and it's like, why, Moira? What are you hiding? I just feel like that's a blanket statement to keep her safe. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, she is hiding something, right? She she is working on something. She has her notebook. She, she got has, a notebook. She got a gate that goes somewhere she, we don't know about. She's got names of the scientists that helped develop the cure initially. She's been hanging out on Muir Island. I'm just saying. Muir Isle. We have a lot of characters out there who have uh, inexplicable secondary mutations, right? Shadowcat can phase, but also disrupt machines. And Emma can read minds, but also turn to diamond. The fact that she's uh, that she's unable to be sensed by precogs, uh, but they sense this void, right? That's the, how they track her. That may be what mm. she's afraid of, because then they can see her real plans. Uh, is she immune to certain types of telepathy, where she's the real villain, but she's keeping secrets? Uh, maybe she's anti-mutant the whole time, and this is her way of, you know, whatever. All of the medications, et cetera, et cetera uh, being spread throughout the planet. What is her real deal? We don't know. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm going to piggyback off of what Michael said, which is I think she is deeply traumatized about what happened in that life with, with Destiny. And, and the blanket statement of we can't have any precogs was just meant to keep Irene dead. You know, what is Moira hiding? I, I don't know. I don't I don't. I don't think there's enough in the text just yet to show us other than she wanted to do a cure uh, mm -hmm. for mutants. My question is the cure we saw in Astonishing X-Men. Did she somehow have a hand in that? I'm curious, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't, I don't know, but yeah. I, I think Moira is very nefarious. I I'm curious to see where she's going to be at the end of Inferno. I think she's going to go away for a little bit. It's sort of the, from all the promos and everything I've been, we've seen. And I don't think we're getting that Moira book anytime soon. But no, you know, I, why, why, I think just the way their powers work, where Destiny can see like limitless futures and Moira it can reincarnate herself. I think it was said in that issue. It's just, it, it's troublesome for her. She just can't quite figure it out. And I think in terms, Alicia, I'm with you because I like to understand the biology and like the actual mechanics of how something works mm. i just think we have to accept at face value that because she is a seer and she can have limitless lives it's just the way it is you know yeah that's fair well i i keep on bringing up the connection to days of future past and the fact that destiny could not see kate in kitty's body she could not see that hole within possibility because it was influenced by a timeline that she had no awareness of. And that was in the same way that she doesn't know about Moira until she knows about Moira. And once she does, she knows about Moira. So if if you don't, if that's like a blind sight unto a certain point, then there's no way to see the potential of that possibility, of that destiny. Wait, wait, wait. What if the the hole that she can't see isn't Moira. What if it's Omega? I think that's a very good thought because this is 
Inferno is like Days of Future Past, but backwards mm. with Omega Sentinel taking the spot of Kate. Yes. I, I hope Omega Sentinel gets really good screen time or panel time in the next issue because I think yeah. we all need a lot more Omega Sentinel. So uh, this might be some uh, tinfoil hat sort of conspiracy theory <laughs> stuff, but bring it. I think um, that's and, very and it, right up Alicia's alley. And yep. it's and it's business oriented rather than story oriented. Oriented. So what if they they took a gamble on the Hickman era and they started building these things, and now they need to figure out how they're telling it within the books. But they built in an escape hatch where they could say, oh, just like Dallas season eight, it was all a dream sort of thing where they, mm. if this didn't work out, if people did not respond to this, they could say, oh, this was a separate timeline. And that's why it, there was this blank spot and everything like that. So maybe this is editorial having to figure out how to explain things when they see that, you know, the X titles are the best-selling titles and that people are really responding and these characters and the stories are resonating. Like a built-in escape hatch. Hmm. Yes. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. I haven't read a lot of Destiny's like old 80s stuff, but her powers do have limitations, right? She sometimes yeah. can't pick the right future. It depends on a decision that's being made or sometimes she's overwhelmed or there's different spots. It's going to be interesting to see how they use her powers in conjunction with all this because we're literally talking about a thing she cannot see but is trying to interpret still. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Anybody else have any closing thoughts before we move on? Do you, Alicia? Because your brain looks like it's going to violate. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just getting really excited because it's almost time for our surprise. Oh. <laughs> Let's so. have the Hickman out under the table already. <laughs> Is the surprise Omega Sentinel that's standing right there in front of you? Uh, maybe. She's going to go, we're going to pin particle her and she's going to come up. She's real, folks. She real. Okay. So game time. We're going to, this is our, this is our final game. Unless we need to go into um, tiebreakers. Tie and this one's going to be like a little different because i'm gonna i'm um, gonna give you a 10 second countdown Pressure. so each person only has 10 seconds so we're gonna really need to like move this as a group me and justin together um so justin who do you want to start with for this one we didn't plan who was going to get what question so who do you want to uh, start with for this one we started at the top we start at the end we start at the middle yeah start somewhere in between so it is either Daryl or Chad. Let's let's uh have Chad go last. All right. Since Chad's in the lead. All right, oh. this way. Sorry. Single All right. Watch out. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. All right. So we're gonna start with Daryl. So this game is called Name Three. We're gonna give you a category and you have to name three things that fit in that category in 10 seconds. So let's say it was name three Christmas movies. You would have to say three Christmas movies in 10 seconds. Um, this, but however, is X-Men related. Oh, it's X-Men so related, okay. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna ask the question and then start, you know, very officially lowering my fingers for 10 seconds and justin is going to be the judge of whether or not you get the correct answers oh, in those 10 seconds yeah you ready uh, oh yeah. my god my heart is pounding now <laughs> jesus okay i'm sorry for you daryl 
So, Daryl, <laughs> are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Name three mutants who have telepathy. Jean Grey, our god queen. Um, oh, no. Oh. oh. Everyone else is freaking out. Um, oh. I've frozen. Like, oh, I, I'm sorry, Daryl. Yeah. It's always easier to answer these kinds of questions when you're not the one having the pressure of the time on you. I don't like Let's get two more. So let's go with Dylan. Dylan, name one. Emma Frost. There we go. Day Spring. Astrid Bloom. Emma's mentor. Whoa. Oh, Look deep cut. I know. I love that. Yeah. So much. <laughs> love it. Okay, so Daryl has gone. So where do we want to go to next? All right, so we'll go to Michael next. Yes. Okay, Michael. I'm on Michael. Here are your 10 seconds on the clock. Name three villains who have also been X-Men. Emma, Magneto, Rogue. Oh, yes. Ooh, yeah, yeah point for Michael. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to Dayspring. God, I'm going to blank on everything. (laughs) Here you go. Your your 10 official seconds are on the clock. Name three mutants with visual, physical mutations. Okay, Cyclops, iBoy. Does Psylocke count with the Crimson Dawn and the butterfly effect? No. Oh, oh my God. Okay. Uh, oh Jesus. <laughs> oh God. No, I can't think of a third. Oh, you could have said I don't even. I don't even want to count Cyclops to be honest. Maybe I didn't understand the question. So I was talking more like mutants that we look at that we see their mutation. I know. I know you have blocked Beast from your mind. So. Oh. Oh, you mean the phys? I thought you meant uh, mutants who had like, like eyesight powers or something if i if i could it would have been hank nightcrawler mystique that's what i said those earlier. are the destiny. three that he said i didn't want to talk about blue. destiny i'm sorry but i misunderstood the question so i'm fine not getting a point all right you don't get a point sorry i love you okay <laughs> i'm very vicious when it comes to games girl right, i so get that it means that dylan is next okay oh, okay dylan name three mutants who were introduced in giant size X-Men. <laughs> Storm, Thunderbird, and Nightcrawler. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All that right, is, That is a trick question, because there was a few of them that were already introduced in a few issues before, so. Like Wolverine and Banshee. 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 Sunfire. Sunfire, yeah. Whoops. Didn't know that when I wrote the question. (laughs) (laughs) Justin wrote that one, JK. All right. Um, It was a trick question. Chad, are you ready? ready? Here are your 10 seconds on the clock. Name three humans who are threats to the mutants. Three humans who are threats to the mutants. Okay, Kavita Rao and Donald Pierce and, uh, uh, oh, goodness, Oh. oh my god! What happened in my brain? 
<laughs> so we now have Dylan, Chad, and Michael all with two points. Oh, so man. at the yeah. end of the show, we will do some tiebreakers to uh, Sorry. figure out it's who us. the winner is. It's us in the bottom. I told you, it's so much. It, honestly, on like, the bottom, like always. I listen to contests like this all the time on the radio, and I always get the answers so fast. And I'm like, why do people not get them? But it's because you have the pressure on you. Your brain shuts off. When you're sitting at home watching Wheel of Fortune, it looks so easy. And then, boom, destroy. Okay. Kate Kilgore. Kate Kilgore. (laughs) You got it. You did it. All right. So it's time for our surprise. I'm going to play a video. So – we got to interview, and I'm not going to tell you who it is. You're going to see it on the video. We got to interview someone recently who we are both very excited about. And this interview will be um, – the full interview will be dropping next week, next Wednesday. Yep. Um, but this person had some insight into what you should have in your uh, homework section of your life as far as reading comics are concerned your brain pocket what what do you need to put in your brain pocket so please enjoy this short video so i'm, I'm, I'm like mentally taking notes i'm like okay read this one read uh, this one read this very windsor smith's <laughs> weapon x i'm gonna go check that out again just make yeah, sure that's a special. That's yeah a special. right uh any other particular arcs or events that maybe we should make sure that we have read or or, or things oh that there's you know, i mean i can say there's some t-max stuff in there yeah you know, brush up on your Hawks Pox because we're going to the future as well. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> yes. I need more of that. I spent so much time trying to understand what was <laughs> happening in the future and then it went away. So. Hawks Pox was her first comic experience. That was the, those oh, are the uh, first comics I ever read. That's a tough, yeah. tough but fun way to jump into it all. And that, yeah. was, that was the goal. I was like, I want to confuse and interest you enough <laughs> that you want to continue. Right. What's a Nimrod? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But also we love him in the future. He's so yeah. playful and fun. Yeah. yeah. And not just the murder bot that he is now. <laughs> we love the murder bot. Yeah. So uh, there's it's a and there's a direct baton pass from Inferno as well. Oh cool. yes, I can't wait for that. So that's essential reading. That's a primer for what's happening, especially in X Deaths of Wolverine. Hmm. Okay, everyone, you hear the that? Lines, they're converging sort of like in the same way that Hawks Pox did. Nice. Do your homework, people. Yeah. So, Yay! Yeah. Oh, and he, and he so, it's X-Deaths. Yeah. yeah. Yes. X-Deaths and 10 Lives. No. Yes, 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 yeah, yes, yeah. yes. That was one of the most exciting days of my life um, <laughs> to interview Benjamin Percy. Uh, so that's coming out next week. He's, he's amazing. And he gives a lot of insight into what has been written and what's going to be written more than I thought he was going to. Yeah. That's also because it was right after the X-Force reveal of what's coming with Cerebrax. And we're like, Hey, what can you tease about April? What can you tease four months out? Yeah. It's like, uh, whoa. uh, And we, we definitely get into um, what's going on with Beast as well. So it was a very, yeah. very exciting time. Since, since Regina's not here, on behalf of Dylan, I'll just say hello, Benjamin. <laughs> Hi, Benjamin. Oh, hello. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. I'm still, like, giddy about it. Justin texted me and asked me, 
when we could do the interview and I fell on the floor. And I was like, what? Anytime, any day, right now. <laughs> All right. So I have a couple more um, little points for us before we get to the end of our show and our little tiebreaker to figure out who our winner is going to be. So as uh, Benjamin Percy told us, things in the future are going to be coming back into play. So in year 100 in Hawksbox, Krakoa and Doug are now one, okay? And Krakoa states, the, this body once belonged to a mutant who could communicate with anything. I maintain all that he was, though he has long left existence. And the two of them are listed as a symbiotic mutant. Do you think that this is their overall fate to become one in a body, shared body together? And what do you think that the three of them are up to now that we know all that we know? And just adding in one more little pepper of information, Black Tom has been having dreams about uh, machinery underneath his skin. And if he is becoming one with Krakoa and Krakoa is already one with Warlock, what do we think that means? Take it away, friends. <laughs> there are infinite futures. Uh, and this one is clearly relevant to the story we're reading now. But I don't think that means it's inevitable that that's where Doug and Krakoa and Warlock will end up in actual canon yeah i i you know we've seen a little bit of a tease with what's going on with doug and warlock and krakoa especially in inferno i don't know if it's going to come into fruition just yet i is that their fate see where it goes i'm going to agree with chad it it seems it's relevant to the story we're reading right now but i don't think that's going to be the ultimate outcome in the end hmm I agree with the, with what the two of them said. There's so many possibilities, and like at this point, now that we know what we know with Warlock and the island, we then have to also remember what happened with Doug at the end of Giant Size X-Men Storm on how he was talking to, I can't remember, whatever that robotic thing was at the end of that, and they made some sort of deal, and we don't know what happened there. There's lots of different possibilities for Doug, and... I, I feel like there's like eight different roads he could go down and we can't really know which one's going to happen. That's true. We know some of the possibilities, but not all. Yeah. 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 They're really good at Claremonting. We don't know if this will come into play in a month, two months in April when things roll out or if it's two years from now or two decades right. from now that another writer in another generation is going to pick up on. So it's it's interesting to see how they're sort of throwing things out there. And it's making us speculate, obviously, right now. All we're doing is speculating. And yeah. it, it will pay off in some regard, but when will it? Who knows? Maybe this will mean a return of the worst-named X-Men character of all time, Douglock. No! <laughs> no, such a great character and great name. But and I, I feel like that's the that's the start of it, right? Doug and Warlock have this ability to intertwine and merge, and then you have Warlock and Krakoa doing their own thing. Is that the bridge that brings them to that potential future of the symbiotic relationship on Asteroid K? That's what I was going to say. What 
pretty much what Justin said is uh, Doug and Warlock have been doing their thing for a long time. And now Warlock and Krakoa are doing their thing, now that we know. And, you know, maybe something happens along the way that they're like, oh, we got to save our friend. You know, we he, mm. we have to bond with him, all three of us together, or whatever happens, you know. And now that, he's, now that he said there's a bridge, you know, maybe we'll see that in um, X deaths, 10 deaths, mm. X deaths, 10 lives, X deaths. Do you all think, though, that Doug and Warlock and Krakoa are, like, up to something? Or do you really think they're just observing? They're so good. They're so pure. I love them. <laughs> I think they're watching all the people that they're supposed to um, kind of look up to, do these things that they don't agree with. And I don't know if, I don't know if he's against them, but kind of against them. Yeah, I don't, them, I don't think sense. of them as, like, evilly up to something. I just mm-hmm. think they are not share like obviously they're not sharing what they kn- that they know what they know so there's to be a reason why they're not doing that and i i think about you know in the uh x-men unlimited with what happened with nature girl and just like letting her leave that how many other like we know now there's other people in the pit have they let them go nope <laughs> Sorry, no, because they're building there. a brotherhood. Keep toad down the there. Keep toad, poor toad. I don't know. I'm really curious about like because we had that weird beat in the story. Was it X Men Six or X Men Seven with the Crucible, where Cyclops kind of looks at all three of them, and then Warlock is gone. Mm. So, yeah. you know that that was a really curious beat for me. I I want to say that probably that's more emblematic of something more nefarious. But I, I, I think where the last issue of Inferno ends, because Doug is playing, obviously, a big role in this story. But I again, I think it's just middle of the road. I don't, it's wherever the writers want to take in Claremont. I think it's right now, it's anyone's guess on that. But I don't understand how they did not notice Warlock before, though, why that was such a, why he's been mm. hidden. I, I think they did reveal it in one data page, but um, it's still kind of curious to me. They're living on an island that tried to eat them. Warlocks from a race that tried to assimilate them. They're sitting down with their enemies. They're they're they have tamed the brood. I mean, something is going to bite them in the ass at some point. It has yes. to. It's all yes. part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and and speaking of that, something coming for them. Um, I just want to know if after I read this quote. Uh, if if you think of things differently now that you're hearing it, knowing what you know, knowing where Inferno is at, knowing that Orcus is planning to basically transport the power of the sun. Um, so in in Hoxpox, when the team goes up and they go to take out the mother mold, um, Wolverine is out there and he's bashing away at it and it has already come online and it says something to him so in that moment it says what do you think that means if man man made me then they are god and you are titans their spoiled lineage but while you war we children sit in judgment of those above us we judge and find you both wanting Do you hear us, Olympus? We have stolen your fire, and with it, we will burn you all. Now, the Mother Mole says this right before it's dropped into the sun, 
And the whole conversation that's going on between Gregor and Omega, Omega at that moment is that they shouldn't bring the mother mold online yet because it hasn't gotten to the point where it can be controlled or it, it could be too crazy if you let it go. So what do we think? Does this Is this just Alicia digging too deep into something or do you think this is a window into some future possibilities? No, I don't think you're digging too deep into it at all. First of all, I, I love the symbolism in that story that, mm -hmm. or excuse me, that quote you just said, because obviously the Titans and the gods, the Titans came before the gods and the gods, you know, were able to, to, to establish Olympus. So I, I, I think the idea that the, the machines are a byproduct of both of these is a very interesting perspective. And I think we've seen that machines play a big role in those other timelines and helping humanity climb up the celestial ladder. So I don't know. I mean, it, obviously Nimrod coming online and artificial intelligence is what we're being told in the Hickman era, the main uh, turning point for mutants. So yeah, I, I agree. I don't think you're reading into it too much. I think we're going to get something really big in the in the future, as Mr. Percy said. Mm -hmm. There's an irony of uh, humans have tried to destroy mutants because they're afraid mutants will replace them, right? And it seems to be in this future that mutants are trying to destroy machines because they're afraid machines will replace them. There does seem to be kind of an interesting take on how power corrupts. Uh, but it's easier to see, you know, something like Mother Mold as a villain, right? The Sentinels have always been the arch nemesis of the X-Men. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think uh, I think the dialogue you read, Alicia, is really smart. Uh, stealing the fires of Olympus, right? It's referencing back to Greek mythology. I think there's some really cool poetry in all of that. It's going to mm -hmm. be, uh, I'm excited to see what they do with it. And it puts you into like the mindset that Hickman's had and how he's viewing this as an allegory for Olympus, for those Greek mythologies that we've grown up with Prometheus stealing the fire and et cetera. So I think we can look into those stories and see sort of where Hickman's mindset is going to be. And I just think, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, uh, well, my favorite Marvel superhero of all time is Hercules. I wish that this would involve Hercules. It doesn't. But, um, that would be really cool if it referenced him. Um, it's interesting the allegory that they're making in terms of the hierarchy of everything and how everything is fitting together. It's, like you said, it's smart writing. It's very high level and makes you really think about the possibilities that exist within this. I don't have much more to add because I agree with everything that's been said, but I, I do think that having that quote that you read, Alicia, it's an amazing quote. I'm glad you referenced it. But I do also want us to remember when in House of X, number one, I think, when Magneto gave the humans the tour of Krakoa and then they went back to Earth I, or back to the U.S. or whatever. And then Magneto did tell them that the mutants were their gods now. So mm -hmm. there is... There's a lot to think about. Yeah. It just, it feels as though the battle has always been humans versus mutants. And even with Omega Sentinel's quote, uh, with Master Model's quote in the back of your mind, they're sitting in wait watching this battle unfold. Xavier and Magneto and Moira know that the true threat is the machine, but they don't know the extent of knowledge 
that the machine has right. in preparation for their attack on them. So they're just they're just plotting, planning their stealing of fire and attack onto them as they destroy each other in this continual war between who is the the master of earth. It's just also so interesting, you know, there's a lot of like Greek mythology, but there's also a lot of talk about the sun itself. So we know, right, that it fell into the sun, that the forge is around the sun, and Orcus wants to transport the sun. And then they say to Moira when they catch her, when they capture her, they say they reference her as being like an Icarus who flew too close to the sun. And so I just want to know why. And I also want to ask, like, if you don't want me to think so much about one particular thing, stop referencing it so much. <laughs> like, don't say sun, 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 Greek mythology if you don't want me to think about what that is. Because I can't I... have another Mephisto situation on my hands. Everyone's <laughs> Mephisto. <laughs> Everyone's but, but Alicia, I think you're I think you're on it. I, I do think Inferno is middle of the road. I think this is a very smaller story and we're gonna get a much larger story. Perhaps it's gonna deal with, you know, the mother mold and the sun or something like that. There's no way that Inferno, as it's reading these three issues, is the end of Hickman's story. No. And I think we're we're gonna get a Secret Wars level event. However that looks, we can debate, but if it involves the sun or not, that's gonna you like bring all this into fruition. So I think you're on it. I don't think you're overreading at all. And I just want to throw if, if Mother Mold was a mutant, she would have the grossest powers of all time. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mother Mold. Man. All right, I have one more one more little point for you all, and it's about my girl Emma. Because it's been brought up in our discussions um of Emma's intentions and I do think that sometimes lately Emma has done things that are maybe questionable, but everybody does questionable things. <laughs> um, so I just want to talk about Emma's intentions. And we know that she gives Mystique and Destiny some gifts, but we don't know what those gifts are. So we know where Emma's at. Now, we also know that in Hoxpox, when Charles is recruiting Emma, and he's talking to her about changing the minds of um, the ambassadors or, you know, the voting and, and what's happening, persuading. He says, dominating the will of another, you see, always comes at a cost. And I want to know if you think that Emma is taking those words and now realizing that Charles is the one who is doing this. And if you think those words are going to come back to bite Charles and what you think Emma's intentions are right now. Wow. That, yes. I, the, what I'm thinking with Emma, Emma had a curious reaction to Moira, finding out about Moira. Mm. And I don't know if I fully understand it emotionally because she, she seemed to be really angry about it. And I, and I get it because Xavier and Magneto have been, you know, pulling a fast one on the council. But I think for her, she wants to somehow neutralize Moira. And I think what was really curious from a writing standpoint is that we found out, and Emma says this, if something happens to Moira, this, it, our entire, all our hard work gets reset. So we know if Moira dies, the timeline gets resetted. So they're not going to kill Moira, but I wonder if she's going to give them like a mutant collar or something to prohibit Moira's powers from coming to fruition. I think... Emma is strictly motivated for the next generation of mutants. 
and she will do anything that needs to get done for the children. And if that means locking up Moira in the Krakoan tumor forever without a gate, she's going to do that. Yes. <laughs> Does that kind of answer your question? I'm sorry, Alicia, you're so involved with all of your an analytical like knowledge. I'm here like, what have uh, I done? I'm like, I don't know if I'm answering the question or not, or if I understood it, but. Yes, these are more like just supposed to be jumping off. Like I'm dropping a nugget of, or like a full punch of information. And I just want to see where you go with it. But like, yes, I agree. I think Emma's intentions are, are surrounding the good of what she thinks is going to be the overall good choices for mutant. Um, yeah. I was, yeah. he's going to do it. I want to say that I, I think we've already seen that Charles's words have come to bite him because he yeah. was dominating the will of mystique and it is now biting him in the ass. I want to slightly go back to when we were talking about like the happenstance of mystique and destiny and Emma. And I think that it is a happenstance for mystique and destiny, but I think much like Michael in the chat, mentioned emma does seem to always be three steps ahead of everyone mm -hmm. i think it's really weird in marauders that emma decided to dedicate a statue to moira who is a person that she has never yeah. spoken about ever so i think emma may have put on a very good show for charles and magneto and letting them think they mm. fooled her with telling her that moira was alive i think her maybe shock was that Moira was a mutant and mm. what Moira's powers were, but not that Moira was alive. I, um, yeah. I want to agree with that so much. The only thing that I, I'm going to say that I don't think Emma would do in that situation is put Proteus on the stage to see him cry if she knew the mother was still alive. I don't think Emma's that heartless. Um, I think she is when it comes to <laughs> wanting to stick it to Charles and Magneto. <laughs> I agree that she's, I mean, not, she's not heartless yeah. towards children that are mutants, sure. yeah, so yeah. yes. She's like, but, it's a fine line. Yeah. I, I, but I don't think she knew Moira was alive. Now knowing what happened, I don't think she knew retrospectively that Moira was alive. I think she wanted to do a nice thing while also crack faces for Xavier Magneto, but I don't think she was a step ahead then. I think she's a step ahead now mm. with everything that's going on with Destiny and Mystique. That could be true. I, I just like to dig into things a lot like Alicia and I could totally be wrong. And there's a lot going on with Emma behind the scenes, right? We've got the Logic Diamonds and the Hellfire Clubs and the the black deals and all or the black market deals, all this stuff. I, uh, I I'm expecting I'm expecting um, Immortal X Men to be like a really incredible White House drama with mm. like lots of big egos and you know it's like very scandal esque but with superpowers. <laughs> and I think Emma's got a lot to say there. I'm excited to see what comes next. The West Wing, but mutant style. Absolutely. And Emma is constantly walking down hallways in different yes, outfits. All the walk arounds. That was the best part of Marauders that every scene she had a new outfit. I loved it. This is what we I talked mean, to... yeah, Mateo was very, very adamant that oh, Emma right. Frost does not wear the same outfit twice. Right. So he he went into fashion that would be relevant to her look that she would be wearing at different times. Anyone else have any thoughts on Emma? Love her. She's lo we love yeah. her. She's so she is one step ahead. I mean that that's our girl. 
That's our I have lots of thoughts on Emma, but I think the show is supposed to not be that long. So. <laughs> and uh, even going to what Spring said, Emma has always been protective of the next generation going back to Generation X. And mm -hmm. she's always been very forward thinking. Yeah, I just, I, I'm curious to see what her next steps are going to be after Inferno. Let's see. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, unless, unless Mr. Percy told you guys a little hint. Unless we have more special guests. Yeah, please. I'm, I'm curious to see what that Inferno 1 tease was of her resurrecting Charles. Because and, they're done. Right. They're out. And that, I feel like, is going to play into the reveal of issue 4 of mm -hmm. what what happened in that resurrection? The time in which they were dead, everyone said, oh, snap, we don't need them. We have Emma. I don't know. I, I, I want to say yes to that. I, I think Hope is filling in that, you know, that, that, that thing right there. I, I just don't believe Inferno is going to end with anything huge. I think, I think it's just going to wet, wet our appetite. Hmm. I, I feel like it's going to be like a season finale not a series finale oh yeah bingo agreed right. agreed it'll give you a cliffhanger it'll give you something to continue off on but honestly every issue has been a mind blower yeah they're all great or we may just have a quick two-page reveal that toad was behind it all oh <laughs> don't justice for toad justice yeah. for toad i'm sorry don't get me started he did it for Magneto. he's the fall guy this is the conversation for another day friends <laughs> Oh, my Lanta Santa. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Okay>. very seasonal. <laughs> very appropriate. Um, okay, so yikes, we got to do a tiebreaker. Um, I still, like, I have tiebreaker questions, but I really kind of am winging it in how the tiebreaker is going to go, if I'm being completely honest. How many questions do you have? There's three questions, but I don't three. feel like they're all on the same level of fairness. So what I think I want to do is start with the first question. And so all of these questions um, are relevant to us in our podcast. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask this first question. I'm going to get let each of you answer it. And I'm probably going to put my face inside my sweatshirt so I can't give away anything. And so what I'd like you each to do. So this is between Dylan, Chad, and Michael. Yeah, and um, I have a question. Yes. So Paul and I are the losers. Can we be the phone a friend if they want to enact? <laughs> oh, yes. Before Please. You finish, yes. Yes. Okay. Fine. Yes. <laughs> can be a phone yes. friend, but not Carol. for the first question. Okay. Not for the first question. So for the first question, what I would like each of are you they, to do? Like in no, no. I, I just, I. I'm going to say what I think, and then Justin, you say, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, or no, that's horrible. Right. Um, I would like each of you to give your response, and then I will go through and see who, how many of you got the correct response. So the question is that I would like you to sing the Emma Frost theme song that I have written, and you should know it, <laughs> and if you don't, I'm sorry, but you're going to sing it. To the best of your ability, it's not very long. Um, and whoever gets it closest or correct gets a point. So raise your hand if you want to go. Who who wants to go first? Daryl, you can't play. 
I don't know it. I am a huge fan. I don't know it though. I'll just get it over with. <laughs> get it. Michael's got okay. it. <laughs> it's a uh, Emma. Emma, get it. Get it. Emma. Emma Frost. <laughs> oh my god! What do you think it is? <laughs> I mean, I. I don't want to like sing the same thing that Michael just did, but. <laughs> Emma, Emma, get it, get it. Emma, Emma, Frost. Okay, yes, good. That was it. And I feel Chad, like I'm sorry, but you're out. I'll just give you a diamonds are a girl's best friend. <laughs> yes, Chad. All right, Dylan and Michael, you both get a point. So now you're both tied. So in, this in is going to be. I, I do just want people watching to not think I did copy off of Michael earlier in the chat. I was singing some of it. So. You were, you it's were, true. you were. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Okay. So, all right. For these next two questions, I think we just give you each a question and see what your answer is. And we're, I'm not going to tell you if you got it right or wrong until. I think the second question is harder than the third. And so I feel okay. like if you buzz in or if you All right, all right. So we'll start with the second question because it seems harder than the third. And you're going to buzz in by raising your hand and if you know the answer. So this goes between uh, Dylan and Michael. During our podcast, Donald Pierce comes up from time to time. And I have a nickname for him. Do either of you know what I call Donald Pierce? Bastard. <laughs> it has his name in it. Don no. I'm going to say I don't know. Neither of you know. Uh, Daryl, do you know? <laughs> I am going to pass to Day Spring. <laughs> I am going to okay. pass to Chad. <laughs> it's Donald. Donald, get it. Get it. <laughs> it's not, but Donald, I wish Donald it was. <laughs> It's um Donald Blondie Pierce. That's what I call oh, yeah, him. Donald Blondie Pierce. I feel like that's a character that nobody really cares about. So in Again, a nice way, we don't care what your nickname is. That's totally fair. fair. Absolutely. I literally pulled obscure things from the podcast to be the tiebreaker questions. <laughs> okay. So uh, both of you buzz in if you know the answer. Who or ra yeah, raise your hand. Who is Justin's favorite X Men? Nightcrawler. Yep, Michael. Yeah, Michael was, was like <laughs> like a ninja. Uh, and with that, Michael wins the mug. Yeah. Good job, Michael. Uh, I'd like to thank all my free time over the pandemic. You know, <laughs> listening to podcasts. <laughs> oh man, that's Michael. amazing. You love it. Okay, well. That 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 closes out our show. It's really been an honor to have all of you here digging deep with us, talking about, you know, the things that we love and also really indulging in my murder board um, neurosis. I appreciate you all. It's and it's, uh, it's yeah, it's all great. And, and fueled your nonsense. And, you know, we also love a good holiday party. So. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for sharing your ideas and your amazing brains. And until next time, old friend.
Charles! Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>